Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international best-selling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month, July 2019. Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month is a compilation of the weird, disturbing, and downright baffling stories currently happening in our world. From UFOs to serial killers, ancient sites, mysterious creatures, and even ghosts, these are the Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month for July 2019. Number 5. Dr. Frank Meza for 70-year-old Dr. Frank Meza, the Los Angeles Marathon was a way to indulge his true passion, running. Meza began running when he was 14 years old, competing at the Los Angeles Cathedral High School. So recently, on the day of the LA Marathon, it was no surprise to his family he would finish in the top of his age group. The 70-year-old had a record time of 2 hours, 53 minutes, and 10 seconds for 26.3 miles. That would be an average run time of 6 minutes and 37 seconds per mile. So when he finished, everyone celebrated, until the results caught the eye of Derek Murphy, a person who runs a website dedicated to calling out marathon cheaters. Murphy began posting photos and information suggesting Meza cheated on the course. He added that Meza left the race but didn't re-enter it in the same spot where he left off. He also said that the doctor had a history of cheating in the past and used a bike race in 2014 as an example for proof. In all, Murphy would end up writing up to nine posts about Dr. Meza's cheating, some getting a lot of traction from other media outlets. As a result of the controversy, 
Conquer Endurance Group, which ran the LA Marathon, said they reviewed the allegations and they believe Dr. Frank Meza violated a number of race rules. They added the math also didn't add up either, and as a result, his win was revoked. Meza denied he ever cheated, but he was stripped of the win and it was awarded to the person who came in second. Then just a couple months later, on July 4th, Meza left home and told his wife he was going for a run and that he would see her for lunch. But hours later, he was discovered dead at the bottom of the LA River. According to the coroner, his body showed signs of multiple blunt force hits over his body, but it's believed he took his own life. The trauma, they say, was a result of hitting the water with severe force. His family said he was traumatized by the online criticisms and bullying he had received over the past few weeks. Apparently, even after presenting the information that Meza allegedly cheated, some investigators went ahead and contacted the doctor's private employers, including a high school where he worked as the cross-country running coach, and tried to get him fired. According to his wife, Meza was devastated by the allegations. Running was important for him as he had been doing it seriously for 30 to 40 years. His daughter believes the stress of all the accusations and the bullying he received likely influenced his state of mind. Number 4. Woman Sees the Afterlife What does it feel like to die? For Tina Hines of Phoenix, Arizona, she's one of the few who can say she did so and then somehow miraculously was brought back to life. A moment in time that she says changed her outlook on life and is something she will never forget. Recently, Tina and her husband Brian were getting ready to take a hike when Tina suddenly fell over and collapsed. Her husband said that her eyes rolled in the back of her head and soon she turned purple and then stopped breathing altogether. Brian performed CPR and was able to revive her before paramedics came. When the ambulance did get there, they also had to deal with Tina coding six times on the way to the hospital. She had to be intubated and, as a total, the paramedics had to shock her five times just to revive her. In what could be called a miracle, Tina did wake up even after technically being dead for a total of 27 minutes. When she came to, she gestured for a pen and paper and scribbled down a note. In barely legible handwriting, it read, It's real. When her family asked what she meant, Tina pointed to heaven with tears in her eyes. Later, she said the colors were so vibrant. She also related that she saw a figure which she believes was Jesus standing in front of black gates with a bright yellow glow behind him. The story of Tina Hines was shared by her niece, Maddie Johnson, on Facebook. Her niece even got a tattoo of the scribbled message Tina had written down. For her, getting that tattoo was a way of celebrating her aunt's journey and providing hope. Since then, the story and the image have gone viral with over 30,000 comments, many of whom say they have shared a similar near-death experience with the afterlife. Number 3. Mackenzie Luke It was June 17th when 23-year-old Mackenzie Luke called for a lift ride from Salt Lake City's International Airport. She had just arrived from Los Angeles after attending her grandmother's funeral. Her family said that she texted them at 1.35 a.m. saying that she had landed. At 2.42 a.m., she took a lift rideshare from the airport and asked to be dropped off at a park in North Salt Lake. After that, she wasn't seen again and for several days, no one knew what had happened to the University of Utah student. It wasn't until June 28th when police arrested 31-year-old Ayula Ajayi 
in relation to her disappearance. A warrant to search his home revealed charred items belonging to the student. They also uncovered a makeshift grave and attested positive for human remains. Neighbors of the suspect said that they saw him burning something in his backyard just days prior. Ajayi turned out to be the last person to see Luke alive because he was her Lyft driver. It's unclear whether he was telling the truth about Luke meeting another man, but apparently records show Ajayi had continued picking up other passengers after dropping off the young woman. What's unclear, however, is what exactly the relationship the two had. Ajayi said he had never met her before, but records show the two exchanged text messages to one another the day before he picked her up at the airport. Even more baffling is that the last messages sent out by Luke was to Ajayi. So far, police have been silent about other details, but it seems Ajayi already has a questionable background. After he was arrested, a contractor came forward stating that he had tried to hire him to build a soundproof room in his backyard. He had told the contractor the room should be 4 feet by 9 feet, and he asked that the door be hidden from view so no one could see it. Ajayi explained that he wanted the room made so he could have space where he could hide and drink alcohol away from his Mormon girlfriend, but then things took a turn for the weird. Ajayi began talking to the contractor about adding hooks on the walls, secret doors, and also placing a biometric lock so no one would be able to get inside. The contractor was weirded out to say the least by the request and knew it seemed off. He declined the job and said he didn't inform the police because he wasn't sure if any laws were broken at the time. What's more, Ajayi had also written an unusual novel and self-published it at one point on Amazon. The book was titled Forge Identity and revolved around the story of a character that witnessed a gruesome murder. What's also confusing about this is on Mackenzie Luke's side of the story. At some point, the 23-year-old said she had sugar daddies, which may have explained why she headed to the park at 3 a.m. instead of her dorm. Countless details are still kept from the public as the investigation on the connection between Ajayi and Luke continues. Number 2. Ireland's Youngest Killers 14-year-old Anna Kriegel left her home in Lucan, Ireland, a suburb of Dublin, on May 14, 2018. Her dad, Patrick, was relaxing outside when he heard the doorbell ring. It was a boy who had come looking for Anna. Her father told his daughter that the boy was at the door, and she looked confused. She knew him, but they weren't friends, so it was strange. Still, she went down and spoke with him. Shortly after that, Anna ran back to her room, put on her hoodie, and said that she was going out. Her dad reminded her that she needed to study. Anna assured him that she wouldn't be long, and after she left, it occurred to Patrick that he didn't ask where she was going, but all seemed well since she left with a smile on her face. At 5.30 p.m., Anna's mother, Geraldine, arrived home, and to her surprise, hears from her husband that their daughter had left an hour earlier with Boy B, as he's been named in the case because of his age. Geraldine was alarmed because she knew that he was not part of her immediate circle of friends. In fact, outside her immediate family, Anna didn't have many friends at all. See, at two years old, Anna was adopted by Geraldine and Patrick from Siberia, Russia. They brought her to Ireland in 2006 and raised her as their first child. But Anna grew up with a multitude of problems. She suffered a tumor in her right ear, causing an operation which damaged her hearing. She also had poor eyesight, 
and had a scar on the back of her head from surgery and another scar on her chin from an accident. Her primary school teachers were always concerned that she would become the target for bullies and their fears weren't without basis. By the summer of sixth grade, she had become a target of bullies with a student sending her sexually explicit messages. Anna, despite her young age, looked older. At 13, she already stood five foot eight, towering above her father. The bullying ultimately would take its toll on Anna and she began acting out in attention-seeking ways. Around 9 p.m. that day, Anna's parents decided to inform police that their daughter had not returned. In turn, authorities interviewed Boy B, asking for the girl's whereabouts. He told them that he had walked to the park and he left her there at 5.40 p.m. This would be the first of many lies he would tell investigators. After Anna still did not come home the next day, police became more serious with their search. Another officer interviewed Boy B again, and this time he said the reason why he approached Anna was on behalf of his friend, Boy A. He said he brought her to the park, they met with Boy A there, and he then left. By this time, Anna's name was all over the news as police sought help from the public to find her. The boys were being treated as witnesses instead of suspects at this point. The decision was made to take them back to the park so they could show officers their every move. Police, who went with Boy A, noticed he had injuries on his face, legs, and hands. He said after leaving Anna in the park, he was jumped by two men and fought them off with a kick to the head. As the boys walked the park, officers noticed the boys exchanging a knowing glance at each other, which indicated they were not telling the truth. Eventually, they were asked to the station with their parents to file formal statements. On the third day of her disappearance, Anna's body was found at the Glenwood House, an old abandoned home. She was found naked, except for her black socks. She had a piece of tape on her neck, suffered multiple bruises and injuries, and blood was everywhere. During the examination, the coroner said Anna died from blunt force trauma to the head. She was also sexually assaulted. A week after the girl's body was found, the boys were arrested. Forensics found boy A had Anna's blood on his shoes. Even more, his semen and DNA was discovered on Anna's neck and hoodie. The two boys were arrested, released on bail for a short time before them being rearrested after further evidence was gathered. This included a backpack containing what police called a murder kit from Boy A. It had gloves, knee pads, and a homemade mask, the latter of which had Anna's blood on the inside and outside. During the trial, the jury proclaimed both boys were guilty for the murder of Anna Kriegel. Boy A was found guilty of murder and aggravated assault. Boy B looked shocked that he was found guilty as well. The two of them are currently awaiting their sentencing. For Anna's parents, they said after eight weeks of trial, they can finally breathe knowing justice will be served for their daughter. Number 1. Mysterious Deaths in the Dominican Republic Known for its tropical weather and inviting beaches, the Dominican Republic is a great destination for anyone looking to vacation. In fact, over the past five years, approximately 30 million tourists have visited the country, many of whom are Americans looking for some sunshine and relaxation. But since June of 2018, a rash of unexplained and unusual deaths have plagued the country, most of which are Americans. So far, a total of nine tourists have been found dead in the country under strange circumstances. 
a lot of tourists die in the country. This is the first time so many of them have occurred in such a short amount of time. The latest American victim in the country was 56-year-old Vittorio Caruso from Long Island, New York. Although it's unclear where he died on the island, his family said they were informed on June 17th that he had passed away while vacationing there. On June 13th, another tourist, 55-year-old Joseph Allen, died while staying at the Terra Linda Resort in Sosa. His sister relayed Joseph was hanging out at the hotel pool when he suddenly felt ill, but despite not feeling good, he decided to head out that night. The next day, however, he didn't meet his friends like he was supposed to, and when hotel staff checked, he was found dead. Many of the deaths were results from cardiac arrest, while others seemed to indicate food poisoning. Authorities have yet to find direct links among the victims, but there are those who think it's unusual that so many American tourists are dying in such a short amount of time. The majority of them have stayed in two main resorts, the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino Punta and the Gran Bahia Principe La Romana. Hard Rock Hotel and Casino have released an official statement saying that they're removing the minibars from their hotel rooms and placing strict control over the alcohol on the property to try and figure out the cause. Apparently, it's believed that the mini bars have been tampered with. For instance, alcohol has been replaced with some sort of other drink, and this could be causing the rash of deaths. The hotels are also cooperating with the FBI, who are leading an investigation into what exactly is going on down there. The U.S. Department of Tourism has issued a Level 2 travel warning to tourists, telling them to exercise caution when traveling to the country but tourism officials in the Dominican Republic are downplaying the deaths, stating they are isolated incidents and assuring the public the island is safe for all tourists. Today, the case is still ongoing. While there have been no reports of additional deaths so far, many are still left wondering if they are all somehow related. So they are with the Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month for July 2019. Every day we encounter strange and mysterious stories that most of us don't know what to make of. These are just a handful, but there's still so much more to uncover. If you enjoy watching this video, then please subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell. We have new videos coming out every Wednesday and Saturday that we know you'll want to check out. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you soon.